Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Game Dev Unchained. I am your host, Brandon Pham. This is the number one game development podcast about game development and the lifestyle thereof. I am here with my special guest this week, Ryan Sumo. How you doing, Ryan? Hey, guys. I'm doing good. Doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Sorry for the technical difficulties, but I'm glad to have you and finally get to, uh, to talk to you. Um, this is actually yeah, yeah. part of the podcast where I actually asked guests, which is yourself, about yourself to introduce to our listeners and viewers out there who you are, where you're from, and where you're heading. Sure. Um, so, again, my name is Ryan Sumo. Uh, I'm from the Philippines. Um, so, yeah, I've been, in the, uh, I've been in the industry for... Oof, that's... Uh, it's a, it's a little hard for me to think about how long it's been. Uh, I guess a little over 15 years, kind of on and off. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, so I started out as uh, an artist for like mobile games um, before, like before there was an app store, um, like when like the telco companies were still the ones releasing games and then Nokia was like the big dog of um, like the mobile uh, phone industry. Um, and yeah, I just kind of bounced around from, uh, like company to company here, uh, until I became a freelance artist, um, around maybe like 10 years ago. Uh, and, um, yeah, I just kind of built up my freelance career from there. And like the biggest, uh, the biggest game I've worked on as a freelancer was called, uh, prison architect. And, uh, I, th- a lot, a lot of people, I think, um, have, have played the game. Um, so like last year, um, it was bought by Paradox Interactive and, uh, yeah, but I was, I was just a contract artist for, for the company that made it. But after that came out in uh, 2015, I, uh, I decided that, um, like maybe it was time for me to run my own studio, um, you know, like try to get my own games out there. And so a couple of my friends and I uh, decided to open a studio and uh, we've released two games so far, a, a strategy game called Political Animals and uh, kind of a, a builder like uh, tycoon management sim called uh, Academia School Simulator. And uh, and that's uh, that's still in early access right now. And we're still working on that. But we're also like working with like another local studio here in the Philippines to like uh to publish the game called Gruen Arc and that one's like um it's kind of like a evil overlord simulator but we can talk a little bit more about that later on yeah man like uh whenever we have international guests and i apologize again for for staying up so late so let's try to see if i can keep you awake <laughs> with interest interesting conversations um yeah yeah what i would like to start off with is what's the game scene like in the philippines is it I, especially with Asian culture, I feel like game development is still like very new, uh, especially trying to mm-hmm. explain to older generations or parents. Um, they don't get sure, it. Sure, sure. And uh, yeah. uh, except maybe in China, I feel like other, and maybe Japan, and maybe Christian. Mm-hmm. I guess the, I'm from yeah, Vietnam. Yeah. Right? So I, I feel like in yeah. those lesser developed countries where, uh, where the, the, the career is not really a well-known track, um, uh, how do you, it, has it changed in the recent years? Has it, are, are you seeing like a huge potential upswing in the next few years because of more global um, appeal? Yeah. I, I mean, I think, um, it's definitely different from like when I was in college I and mean, there weren't really any, uh, there weren't really any companies. So maybe like one or two companies were around, um, when I was in college, when I got out of college, so that's like maybe uh, 2003. 
And uh, you said you you were born there. You're, you're obviously still there. Um, mm-hmm. What 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 kind of uh, outside influence or outside interest have you been seeing with with especially starting your own company now? Uh, are are there a lot of venture capitalists going through the Philippines for game development right now? Um. Well- in in that in that sense, I think we're still very um, very immature. I mean, I think even in, uh, broadly speaking, like in terms of like venture capital. So like I'm I'm friends with a couple of um, of like uh, tech bros. <laughs> very different landscape, right? Like the the internet has changed everything. Steam has changed everything. Uh, the app store has changed everything. So there's like uh, all sorts of different marketplaces now where, you know, you can, you know, even, even just on your own, you can make a game, release it into the world and, you know, kind of fingers crossed you might get a flat bird or, or whatever. Um, so yeah, there's a lot more companies that, I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a small industry or there's a proper industry here right now. There are um, a bunch of, uh, larger companies. Uh, most of them do like outsourcing, um, but like, for example, Ubisoft recently opened a, uh, a studio here and like, they're aggressively like ramping up, like even, even during like, even during the COVID like 19 crisis, like they, they were still, they still had like Facebook ads, um, like saying that they were looking for, uh, for, for, for people to, 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 to staff up. Um, and uh, yeah, and there's like small companies like ours who are uh, putting up their own IP. There's a couple of us out there and uh, it's just going to, you know, it's going to keep growing as uh, the industry in, uh, in, in general keeps growing. Mm-hmm. And uh, you said you, you were born there. You're, you're obviously still there. Um, mm-hmm. What? what what kind of uh, outside influence or outside interest have you been seeing with with especially starting your own company now? Uh, are are there a lot of venture capitalists going through the Philippines for game development right now? Um, well, in in that in that sense, I think we're still very um, very immature. I mean, I think even in. Uh, Broadly speaking, like in terms of like venture capital, so like I'm I'm friends with a couple of um of like uh, tech bros. <laughs> like mm-hmm. there, there there's also a small tech industry here. Like fintech is um is kind of big here, um and uh, yeah, like it's it's not uh, you know there, there's always like there's always uh, every every like smaller country is always like trying to be like the next Silicon Valley of of whatever region that they're in. Um, but in, in terms of that, I think it's still, um, it's still very, uh, immature and, uh, like in terms of like funding, let's say like, um, I think you'd struggle to like, let's say like get a loan from a bank or something and try to explain to them that you're, you're trying to run a, a, a game studio. Um, so like in terms of funding, I don't think it's very mature. Like we, you know, there there are some like smaller uh, like regional publishers which uh, which are providing funding, um, like for for studios and for games, and uh, you know, like we're we're, we're starting to um, we're starting to notice like like some people like asking questions about the Philippines, uh, but yeah, I, I think we're uh, it's probably the one of the biggest uh, issues for us is like access to yeah like access to funding for sure hmm. and uh you're you've been in the industry for a while now um and uh just recently created your own studio congratulations on that and shipped mm-hmm. two games thank you right which is mm-hmm. a huge feat in whatever country you're from uh because yeah, a lot of yeah. it has to do with like just determination um uh, the upswings downswings and surviving through all that uh, what has been the 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 hardships and the least expected things that have happened uh, for you and your partner and, and your company that you did not foresee uh, but overcame? Uh, hmm, that that's uh, that's a, that's a pretty difficult question. Um, 
I mean, I, I think, uh, well, like I said, like funding um, is uh, is a big problem. So for, like for us, um, we were kind of like, before we, we started the company, even we all had, you know, we all had our, our, our regular day jobs and we were just working on our game um, on the side. And I had the opportunity to go to this conference in London called uh, EGX because I, I was invited by uh, Introversion Software, the creators of Prison Architect, to fly over to like celebrate the, the launch of the game. Um, and uh, yeah, so while I was there, I had like a demo of our game and I just, uh, yeah, I took advantage of the fact that there were publishers there. And so I, I just went to like publisher boots and, um, and, and presented the demo and, um, and luckily someone, uh, someone picked up the game. Um, in terms of like being in the Philippines, I think uh, one of the, probably the, the, the more difficult um, things for 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 us is that um, there's not like a huge pool of of talent here. Um, you know, like compared to like like game dev meccas like like uh, like San Francisco or um, maybe even like London or, or or Japan or like you know places that have a, an established industry and they're like established companies there and like there are people like kind of always um, you know like. Uh, kind of learning the process of making games and then like moving to different companies and and maybe like striking out on your own there's 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 not as big a pool of talent here and um and so like a lot of companies um it, it's uh, like the competition for for talent is uh is uh, it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty hard um yeah. for us i think though like uh what helped us out there was i'm uh also i used to be like the head of the local igda here and i kind of um before we started the company i was also like a, a community organizer like in terms of game developers and uh so like I, i've kind of built up um a network of people uh here and so um so that really helped out so i could ask like hey like who's interested in you know like making these kinds of games and um I was kind of plugged into like what was going on in terms of the uh, the industry, and so that that definitely really helped out. Like the fact that I was um, actively trying to build up the local game developer community, um, like helped me put help put me in access to uh, you know like people who would be interested in making the kinds of games that we're making. Mm -hmm. A lot of it is, like you said. Um the pool of talent is definitely difficult to come by and it is very restricted to your locale. Um, with the recent events with COVID, I, I think there's a huge push for remote working and uh, mm -hmm. opening up a lot of those doors for our future uh, of the game industry as a whole. And um, even mm -hmm. though I don't think a hundred percent of us will fully convert to that format um, because I, I think they're, executives are racing back <laughs> to the office as fast as possible yeah. but i think a good percentage like average will 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 stay with some kind of hybrid approach how do you see that kind mm -hmm. of helping with with the problem that you're seeing in the philippines where talent isn't as openly available um and 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 uh you know i know you guys are working your own games but like also having companies being able to be external developers for for uh, for assisting other other companies in other countries now, uh, opening up that network of communication. Um, do you see this being a, a huge impact to to what you guys are doing? Um, yeah, I, I don't, I, I I don't know. Like, it's uh, it, it is very, it's it's uh, it's tough. Like, we're actually. Um, so we weren't super affected by um, like the current uh, crisis because. Um, excuse me, we're, uh, we're mostly working from home anyway. So like what we would do is, um, like we would have like two week sprints. And so we would work for, um, for most of the week. And then we'd just meet up once a week to like have a face to face and discuss issues or whatever. And then like, like have pizza and, and, and board games. Um, and, uh, yeah, like right now, like we, we, we've transitioned pretty well 
um, to working like completely offline. Uh, I'm sorry, completely online. Um, and uh, although, like, I think like having maybe like a wide wider access to, I guess, like a wider pool of talent. So, like, even just within the region, like within Southeast Asia, would be um, uh, pretty interesting. Uh, it's still a little bit difficult. Like, I'm not, I'm still not sure, like, how that would really work for us, even just in terms of like contracts or um like like figuring out those kinds of things um and like one of the major issues for us is that like our internet is super it's it's pretty bad um like we spend like at least 15 minutes uh like during our like uh, our weekly our, our bi-weekly meetings now just like you know like checking can you repeat that um you're, you're kind of choppy like mm-hmm. we're uh yeah so like the internet's really really bad here uh so that's kind of one of like uh the main uh, issues uh keeping us maybe from uh doing that more uh, embracing like the the work from home process more yeah online connectivity is huge if you're remote working for sure um yeah, I know. I feel spoiled just talking about how my internet hiccups once in a while, but like in other countries, <laughs> uh, you know, you guys are facing real, real issues with that. Uh, that's why I think, like, um, you know, with stuff that Elon is doing with the Starlinks that's going in the beta and stuff is very promising, where mm-hmm. it's not based on landlines anymore and uh, for connectivity. It's just if you have a satellite. <laughs> Point it to the sky. You can. Yeah, that would be uh, high yeah, speed. That, that would be nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, aside from that, though, like you guys are pretty much pretty much used to this. Uh, I think the indie scene have a lot more training, and I always see them at, at, in right. that community with you guys are kind of like the pioneer of what game development actually will look like in a few years, and a lot of that has to do with working from home communicating online mm-hmm. and and the ability to not always have to be physically next to each other to get things done and we're seeing that uh at least across the industry in a forceful way that we have to be able to operate like this um uh yeah. to progress as an industry and open up opportunities were there a lot of trial and error to get to a point where you guys were efficient aside from the internet problems where you kind of kind of met up and hit a rhythm to finally get stuff done and not fall yeah. in the trap of meetings all the time. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think uh, one of um, I, I forget there was a like there was an article going around a couple of a uh, couple of months ago, like by the um, by the base camp guy. I think like there's something about like levels of like working from home or something. Um, so I, I think that, uh, one of the, like one of the major issues, um, for people who are used to like working in an office to working from home is just, um, like kind of like forgetting about the idea of, you know, like just walking over to someone's table and like pointing at the screen and, and chatting about this or that or the other thing. Um, so like there's there's a lot of like face-to-face um, communications and like body language communication that, you know, obviously can't happen um, as well online. Like even, even if you're on a video chat, like it's, there's still a lot of stuff that, um, it's just uh, like like we're able to express to each other like when we're trying to explain things um, when you're face to face in an office. And so like I think like for me like maybe the biggest uh, like maybe like the linchpin of uh, being able to work from home really well is like to have a good like producer or project manager and like kind of having like very good like processes where like okay like this is how you should communicate like when you assign a task like you should have this that and the other thing kind of streamline that process so like there's um so there's less there's less just like asking each other questions back and forth like uh yeah and 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 it's the they're kind of in the middle of building the game um you don't really have the time to really step back and look at like your communications processes and uh so we we kind of just 
um, try to improve uh, on the fly. Um, yeah, so like just really better, better communication and like a having someone like keep an eye on the schedule and keep an eye on like how how we communicate with each other so that we're not um, we're not losing time by asking each other too many questions. Uh, I think that's uh, that's that's a pretty big deal. Hmm. Let's let's talk about the um the the, the two games process, right? That you guys went mm-hmm. through. So the first game obviously feels like usually would be the toughest to tackle. It's the first time working together with your team, first time uh, setting everything up. Uh, there's a lot of like first times. Um, mm-hmm. I, can you kind of talk about those challenges um, in developing your first game? Uh. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, there's, there's obviously, um, so like my co-founders and I, uh, we actually didn't, we'd never worked together before then. So that, that was kind of tricky, you know, like you're, you're kind of getting to know each other and um, like kind of understanding your, your, your strengths and weaknesses or even like, um, it's like even 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 like just understanding each other's um like sleep schedules because like so like one of our one of my co-founders has like uh he has sleep apnea um and so like he uh so he has trouble he can only like really sleep very well at certain times of uh the night and so like he he wakes up like like pretty late i wake up maybe usually around nine o'clock and let's say he's usually up around one and so just kind of find figuring out a uh like a, a rhythm where yeah yeah one bm <laughs> so like yeah, it's uh <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah that's huge that's um huge. And so like i keep having to um like uh we we have to adjust to each other and so like um like at the start like i would feel there's um like kind of guilt like, if, like he's he gets up at one and then he's working until like whatever like 11 or, or, or 12 and like there's sometimes like it feels like i'm being dragged along because like i don't want to leave him while he's still working but then yeah. like you kind of get over that eventually and you just have to like you know talk to each other and say okay look i i'm up at nine and i'm i'm kind of working already so um we can communicate within like these these windows of of, of time so let's make sure that we're we're talking to each other then and then like when i'm out i'm out i, I need to rest and you know like i'm, I'm married and like you know you, you kind of have to tend to your relationships you can't just like uh work all night um like you used to yeah i always compare it to you know you gotta you know, as a man right or for me myself um Got to tend to the first wife <laughs> before the second wife. I always see a partnership as a marriage uh, because a lot of it is that. It's a lot of it's just finding each other's yeah, work. Yeah. And more than just um, riding the high times of success, it's it's the the failures that actually test the relationship, like any relationship, right? Where it's like, can we really yeah, do this? Yeah, definitely. You know, worst case scenario. And yeah, the sleeping thing is sounds pretty uh mundane and simple but it is a huge factor yeah. because you only have so much limited a time to actually talk to each other um and yeah. uh, i i think see people you, in the office see glimpses of that where people show up early and then leave around five and people who show up late stays later and usually gets a better yeah. impression because they're later in the office but we did the same eight hours right right, right. Yeah, yeah, so it's yeah. it's funny to kind of hear that on the indie side, which makes sense. It's like there's, there's more <laughs> yeah. accountability with lesser people, so yeah. you're you're feel more guilty of anything uh, if you're like disappearing. Yeah, yeah, behind, exactly. Behind a desk. Um, so was so that that was the biggest challenge, and of course, how, how long did you guys anticipate the first game um, coming out uh, versus to your plan uh, to to it actually coming out? Um. Yeah. I mean, like. There's a like there's a there's a there's a joke right like if you uh, if you plan for like if you plan for a year just expect it to come out like a year and a half so always mm-hmm. add like uh, always add like fifty percent more to whatever your estimate is um, we like for our first game I think uh, oh gosh it's it's hard to remember now but I think we were we were um, we were planning on working on it for nine months. Um, but we definitely went 
uh, a few months over. I think we, uh, I think we got it out within a year. Um, so it was a, a political strategy game, and uh, like we were hoping to get it out, um, like a little bit, like sometime during the U.S. elections, because the idea was like, okay, like we, we can kind of market it that way. Um, unfortunately, like we released it like right at the last uh, week of the u.s elections and i think that's not really the best um time to do it because like by that time people were kind of just like sick of uh sick of the elections and uh so that's uh, yeah so partly it didn't do very well um but yeah like you, you you kind of also learn that like you know just uh always give yourself a little um leeway when it comes to uh development time because like even even in the best case scenario and like the best case scenario almost never happens anyway um there's just gonna be something that that pops up and and bites you in the ass like a like a bug or or whatever that really really kind of um sets back your uh, your schedule and the the first game that we're talking about is political animals correct that's correct yeah yeah so that that's a very um unique uh, theme uh yeah and it seems like both of your games kind of s- surround around education um mm-hmm. was this always like a passion of yours and, and your uh teammates um well from for, for us i mean at least um so for political animals it was definitely uh the idea was um I, I'm I'm interested in politics in general, like the act of like running for politics, uh, like winning elections, um, partly because of uh, so the uh, the Philippine political system is yeah I, I don't want to go down to a rabbit hole, but it's it's it, it's sort of messed up. Um, it's pretty crazy. But the idea was like <laughs> so yeah the idea was kind of like okay this is what it's like um, and there's no. Uh, there's never going to be an easy way to like keep your paws clean uh, if, if you're if you're going to politics. So the idea was like this is like a way for people to understand like what it's like and should they ever want to run, um, you know, just to kind of like mentally prepare yourself for uh, for what's going to happen. Um, but like we we kind of like made it so it's it's still like approachable and, and kind of uh, you know like you paid attention to like having good game mechanics and like different um like different characters that you can hire and and uh, stuff like that um and so that like even though like political animals didn't um do very well in terms of sales uh it's had a bit of a, an interesting life um in terms of local education because like one of my co-founders like former professors like he's like really big in in terms of like studying uh game-based learning and um so like he was really interested in the game and like we've done actually a couple of like workshops with him where like he would ask like high school students or like teachers to um like to split up into groups and to play the game against each other and then like they would have like a discussion afterwards about like how do you feel about the political process and like kind of using it as a um like a like 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 a a a means to discuss like these uh larger uh ideas and uh so that's been pretty uh that's been pretty nice to 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 have you like even again like even though it didn't uh didn't sell very well at least uh we feel like it's um it's it's uh like it's useful to to people Before we continue this week's episode, let's have a word from our sponsor. More and more companies are working remotely, but Parsec for Teams lets game makers break free from the studio and work from anywhere. You can use Parsec for professional and personal use to connect computers at 60 frames per second, ultra high definition video streams with super precise inputs for mouse handling and controller support. Working together is as simple as sharing a link with a teammate. You can then share files, review work, or even work together in a single program. It's the closest thing to being in the same studio. I actually use Parsec for running GDUX this year, and it was the greatest way for me to connect to my main computer and for my team to work with me to deliver the best virtual game dev conference. 
So I definitely see a huge use for remote working, but also playing games with each other. The biggest thing with remote desktop is that there are security concerns. However, Parsec for Teams ensures that only people on your team has access to your projects. Connections are peer-to-peer and encrypted, never touching the backend and features two-factor authentication and other security measures that gives you a peace of mind. So like mentioned before, the best use cases using Parsec for Teams is perfect for level design, animation, game development, playtesting, and more, and lets you seamlessly connect programs like Unity, Unreal, Maya, Cinema, 4D, and others. So hundreds of AAA and indie studios are already using Parsec for Teams to stay connected to their work. So go check it out at parsecgaming.com forward slash teams. It seriously is one of the easiest and fastest and reliable remote desktop applications I ever use. And it's perfect for gamers and game developers alike. So go check it out in the link description below. Now back to this week's episode. Yeah, I mean, I was about to say, it seems like this type of game would work the best in educational system. Like for me, I I don't understand politics at all. And I don't even pretend, mm-hmm. uh, but I would love to be right. interested. I, I am interested enough to know, or at least want to know how it works. Um, and a, a lot right. of it, again, is is not very approachable textbooks on it. And I, yeah. I, I think um, the subject that you're taking on feels like such a uh, original space that not a lot of people try to tackle. That it, mm-hmm. it feels like you guys will have a lot of success in the educational system. I'm just running it through uh, because I, re- I, you know, my, my first exposure to game wasn't really that sexy. It was Oregon trail. Right. Uh, <laughs> or those, like, yeah, sure. Kids, sure. Inside yeah. a classroom. Yeah. And that, that was, yeah. it was fun and I loved it. And, or those math type of games. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of people kind of dismiss that. Uh, I, I feel like there has been a resurgence in the educational game for, for learning type of space, yeah. but when we talk about game development, we don't really think about that space as much. Um, yeah. But I feel like it's just even more important than, you know, Last of Us 2. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, I, I played those games, too. Like, uh, I love, like, um, the uh, Carmen San Diego games and, the, yeah, like, the Oregon Trail. Um, there's, um, so, the, like, I we actually looked into this a little bit uh, because I was trying to see if that's, like, a um, like an alternative like revenue stream like for us right like educational games um but it's uh it's it's really difficult uh, is what i found out like is um you know like when you're selling when you're selling like games like on steam or, or on the amp store you're selling directly to the consumers and you know yeah. that that's difficult in and of itself but like you there's like there's like no gatekeepers basically like you you put it up on steam and if people like it they'll buy it and you make some money um whereas uh, if i remember correctly like i forget the details but like at least in, in in terms of the us um it's not the consumer that's going to like buy your game and integrate it into the system, right? It's like, uh, like the local school board or, um, like the, uh, like the state, like department of education or something. And so like, there's a lot of, um, like different hoops that you kind of have to jump through. And a lot of people that you, you kind of know, like, I mean, I, I don't even know like where, where you'd begin, like maybe you'd need to hire like a lobbyist to like approach, um, like local school boards and like pitch the game to them or something thing um and so yeah so that's a very interesting like market like uh educational games but like it's it's very uh i think it's 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 sort of impenetrable unless you really have like those um those kinds of relationships uh in at the local school level Hmm. and i think that's what always interests me about the indie community is that it's very self-driven and a lot of the lessons that you learn Mm -hmm. are kind of lifelong lessons that you carry uh for future projects it's just something that you don't yeah. learn uh i come from the triple a space for most of my career mm-hmm. and you know uh in the span of the podcast i've learned more about the industry than i've been in sitting at my desk just working on these games that i've always wanted to work on and a lot of that um uh, a lot of what I've learned on the podcast and from you guys is carries a lot more weight because of that. Because now that I I'm I'm, I'm 
I feel like I'm, I'm building up my RPG character to kind of take on the world. So like a lot of the, <laughs> yeah. you know, when you're developing game, you don't, unless you're like a super visionary person, you have a faint idea that actually to, to the very end becomes what you see in your head. But a lot of times a lot of self-discovery and navigating and, and kind of getting a feel for what the game is and what yeah. it's trying to tell you. I feel like marketing is another phase of that as well. It's like, well, now the game is out. Like, what's where's the audience? What's the audience? And you go down this path of of unconventional ways. Like, I'm talking to the school board now. I'm talking to lobbyists. Right, right. It's like, what a weird way to market games. But it's super yeah. viable because, if anything, that's actually probably where all the money's at, where it's like stable income, you know? Um, yeah, so I'm always yeah. interested to kind of hear like this other side of game development. Um, which political animals totally see it. it's like it looks awesome it's actually uh, uh, a subject that I've always been interested in, but never really found approachable uh, unless mm-hmm. I'm going through Wikipedia and actually <laughs> looking through it's just not right, right. so inviting for me to kind of want to learn it through that way but um, yeah. it, it's also cool to kind of hear that you guys already are navigating through that path because it, it feels very validating to kind of see that kind of effort on that side um so that you know after talking about the first game and you guys doing what most i feel i call it the graveyards of indie developers they never get past their first game or maybe shortly after you guys had enough to uh to go on to working on the second game (laughs) so can you talk about that path uh was it more like um uh, yeah something that you had in the back pocket of what you wanted to do with the second game no, um, we uh, so we launched uh, Political Animals uh, November 2016, um, and it was a flop. And um, so, like, yeah, it, it's sort of like the um, like the stages of depression thing. But like, the, the first stage is like, okay, like maybe we still have a chance. Um, let's put out an update. Let's see what happens. Um, but like, yeah, you know, everyone, um, like as almost any, any game developer that's, that's been through this will tell you, uh, there's, if, if you're, if your launch is bad, there's like almost the 0% chance that, um, like somehow it'll rise again. And, uh, I mean, that's just the way, um, for better or for worse, that's just kind of the way that the, the steam algorithm works. Um, it's like, if you, if you don't launch well, it's, uh, it just assumes that people won't like your game, so like it won't show it um, to uh, to 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 the players anymore. Um, and so yeah, so we had like um, so we had a month where we were trying to figure out like okay, like can we still salvage this? Um, and then in December, December of that year, we're like, yeah, okay, this is not um, it's not gonna work. So we need to like pivot into like something else we have a little bit of money left um we like we slashed our salaries and uh we um yeah so like we did we did like a brainstorming meeting so like okay like like it was very very much like what do we think has the best um chance of uh of um of making us money and like keeping us uh, alive and uh so like the, the internal pitch was like was an architect was uh a pretty uh famous like a pretty um you know it, it, made, it made quite a bit of money and uh not everyone's been to prison but everyone's been to school mostly mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. um so we figured like that you know like having a like a builder or like management game with the school theme seemed to us like a pretty good it had a good chance at least of uh of um you know making us enough money to keep us afloat and so for most of uh early 2017 we were just uh working on a prototype uh within three months we had like a very very um basic prototype that we uh that we could share and like i started sharing it on youtube and um people were um you know people were signed to to respond to it and like every month we would um build it up a little more and then share it on youtube and then um yeah we we kind of uh you know we realized okay so there's there's a little bit of um there's a little bit of momentum behind this 
and uh, yeah and, and anyway we didn't really have much of a choice right like that's uh, we already started it so we just needed to keep on going until our money ran out um and so on september of 2017 we launched it on early access and uh yeah like it did you know it didn't um didn't like sell like gangbusters but it it sold us it sold enough so that like we could continue operating for um for a year and so that was that was a huge load off of our shoulders and uh yeah like with with every update of the game it's just um you know it's been getting better and better and uh um people like up to this day people are still buying it although uh sales are starting to like kind of slow down as uh as we uh you know as we enter like our third year of development so we we started in 2017 um this is 2020 now so like this is like yeah this is basically um we're entering uh our fourth year of development now and um we're starting to wind down actually to a, a version one release uh this year mm-hmm. I, i'm always interested in what I like about Steam Spy, it actually helps kind of gather all this data and kind of see in an average what what how games do in their lifetimes. Uh, are, yeah, I don't know if you're a math guy. Are you, you look like it's you know like looking at stats and what it tells you, or how? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna assume we're Asian that we kind of I am some, sort of interested in that a bit, right? That uh, do you see a pattern there where? Is there any anywhere in in the lifetime? I know you guys are in third year, about your fourth, where you you know the yeah. uptakes are probably the Steam sales. Um, but like, mm-hmm. have you seen surprising things that you guys done, and then are able to see the output of it uh, pretty immediately? And are, were you guys able to repeat that? Can you tell more about that side of uh, marketing or like after a game launch, uh, uh-huh. how much impact you have? Yeah. I mean, yeah, most of, um, like most of the peaks I've, um, like I actually did a couple of, uh, I did a couple of articles about this, like on Gamma Sutra. Um, and I mean, I can share them with you later. So like you can share it to your community. Mm-hmm. Um, but like basically the, uh, the, the peaks really center around like the, uh, the steam sales, um, there were a couple that were generated by like really um big uh streamers like um uh like uh, this guy jack septicai dan tdm so we got a couple of uh yeah we got a couple of youtubers where like um so they made a video of the game and they had like two million um two million views or whatever and so that generated um a lot of peaks um but like i will i will say that like the um uh, I forget the I forget the exact conversion rate, but it was like like um like views to like views to dollars is like I don't know like one view is like zero point zero 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 eight two cents or something like that. I, I forget like, but it, it's it's a ridiculously small uh, conversion rate, but like it did generate um, peaks for us. Uh, like you you kind of have like um, when you're selling within Steam like which would you you sort of just have to work within like the confines of their um ecosystem so like uh you know they have a couple of ways that they um that they use to share the game to to their players so um you kind of just have to take advantage of those things and try to use all of the ways which steam encourages you to share your game so that um you have a better chance of uh of being seen mhm and uh and this is a constant curiosity of mine because mm-hmm. we've had many guests on where i think the amateur uh onlooker for for what constitute into an actual game cell views streamers or youtubers as a gateway to success but a lot of the reality is mm-hmm. that you know people just watch it for the personality and maybe yeah. Yeah. thirdly about the game Oh, as sell through. Yeah. Um, uh, even though it is somewhat of a viable, if you get a lot of them going, but uh, yeah. what, what has been the most effective way that you've seen in terms of conversion to sales? Um, if you can share a little bit of that. I, I mean, honestly, like 
uh, outside of Steam, there's really nothing that um, that I've seen. Like so, outside of like you know, like YouTube streams, um, there's really nothing that has had a, a significant impact on uh, on our sales in in any meaningful way. Like. Um, <laughs> You know, we've had a couple of like press outlets uh, write about us. I, I, for, I forget, I forget who specifically, but a couple of big like press outlets wrote about us um, when we launched, and there wasn't really um, a, uh, a a a lot of impact from that. Um, really, like it's just like within Steam, um, like how do you can like you can because you can you can sometimes like make your own sales, and they have this thing called like visibility updates, and so you. you like well, my advice has always been like you know you kind of try to stack those so like you do a sale and then you do an update to your game and then you do like a visibility update and like you like kind of um you know you, you combine those things and you stack them up and hopefully that um generates enough interest and then maybe someone at steam will notice the game and say hey like or like you know they, they have like internal metrics uh, i think at steam that like tell them like you know, like what our X game is doing uh, pretty well, like let's offer them a, um, a daily deal. Um, and that's something that's happened to us like twice so far um, where we were generating enough interest where Steam um, just automatically gave us like a deal. And like once, once you're on like the, uh, the front page of Steam, that's definitely, um, that's definitely a big deal. Um, although like, on the flip side, uh, should say that like political animals actually, we were able to um, because we had a, a publisher that had worked with Steam before. We were able to swing like front page um, on Steam for political animals, and that still didn't save us. So, uh, mm-hmm. so that's just something to keep in mind that like it's uh, it, it's really kind of um, kind of crazy. Uh, one thing that like might be of interest, um, sort of a, sort of a off topic, but. Um, even within like um like youtube streamers um there's like different conversion rates i guess like depending on a lot of it depends on like i think like the basically the country of origin so like um you know like like uk or american uh, streamers like fairly comparatively speaking pretty good conversion rates um but like we had like one time there was a uh, pretty big um, like Mexican uh, games. I think he's Mexican, definitely like Latin. And like, so he had like 2 million plus views, but like compared to, um, compared to the other streamers, there wasn't a lot of like uptick in like South America or um, like Mexico in in terms of game sales. Um, And that, might have to do with um, like de- demographics, like how many people are on Steam in South America. But um, yeah, I just thought that was interesting that like uh, you can have um, the same number of views, but like maybe different people are watching those um, those streams. Like who uh, like it was funny. Like after 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 we got, we had that stream, like the um, the uh, Latin American streamer. Like we had a bunch of um, people like emailing us in Spanish, like asking like where do they find the game, like how do you buy the game, and so like, which gives me an uh, an inkling that like you know like uh, maybe Steam hasn't really penetrated uh, that far into uh, into those markets, and so like there's just no there's no like that that consumer habit of like oh I I see I see this game like being played by my streamer and then I'll check this game out on on Steam. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's a constant reminder how powerful or how uh, I wouldn't say monopoly anymore, but sort of monopoly that Steam <laughs> still, has. Still pretty the, close. Still pretty close. Still pretty close. Yeah. yeah, and it and it does make sense. Yeah. Like people who are in the Steam storefront are more likely wanting to buy things because they're in the store. Right? We just go back to physical right. stores, you know. Uh, so the reach and the likability of them purchase something is huge um of course with epic game store they're only going for like certain games for now i mean maybe years down the line they'll open it up more and more which i i don't doubt they the uh that they're gonna not gonna do that um so so we're just waiting a few more years for those guys kind of be a likely competitor which helps indie developers can shine more right yeah because right now yeah steam is um 
it's a tough thing. Like I, I always, I always feel like they can do more at Valve. Yeah. But then I'm always reminded, like, there's only like 200 people over there or something like that. They have such a yeah. small group of developers. Um, well, you think so they could hire some more people, algorithm. right? I know, right? But the the, the, the profit <laughs> margin's too good, I guess. Gabe, Gabe yeah. loves that. Um, but I, I, I for I don't know. It feels like the 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 lion has woken over there. Uh, because right. since Epic, they're making games again. Half Life Alex, yeah. uh, VR centric. They're announcing three more. Like they're, they're suddenly doing things again. Uh, Valorant, yeah. kind of like stealing Counter Strike's thunder a little. So um, yeah. I like where Valve is. What Valve is doing, I, I do not like what they were doing. Like for four years or five years plus, like yeah. which is pretty much nothing. Um, and uh, I always felt they they would be the champion for the little guys, but they haven't been that way mm-hmm. with uh, their storefront. Maybe they're well, just tired. Um, <laughs> yeah. As much as I, uh, as much as I complain, uh, you know, I'm like every other developer on Steam. I like to, I like, I like to whine a lot. Um, I, like the honest truth is that like, if, uh, if there was no steam, we wouldn't Nothing, exist. Right. right? right. Like, uh, yeah, there's, there's no marketplace. Like it gives us, here like access to the world basically like like we can just put our game there and like we we can sell to the entire world which is a huge deal like 10 years ago we wouldn't exist like we like like we there's um there's like one uh local indie studio that that was alive in like 2005 or something and like the lengths that they had to go through to like you know, like make their game and then find a publisher, like find someone who was like able to like willing to spend the money to like um to like print their game on like on CDs and print out the boxes and then like ship it to like stores and stuff. Like it's it's kind of insane like how how complicated uh retail games were just like 10 or 15 years ago. Um so you know like for all the Steam deservedly like takes a lot of flack uh there's there's no there's no question in my mind that like i yeah yeah like we wouldn't have our studio we wouldn't be able to make games and sell it like to the world if it wasn't uh for for steam like or maybe maybe epic would have stepped up like in an alternate universe epic would have been uh the uh the the storefront to the world Mm -hmm. being number one is definitely a tough job for for anybody so it's it's uh Mm -hmm. It's very understandable that they're getting a lot of uh, criticism as well as praise at the same time. Um, so with that being said, I, I know you guys are uh, Steam uh, focused, but uh, yeah, I, I would love to kind of hear your thoughts more. Uh, I don't know if you're you're connected with with people who have published games on the PlayStation front, the Xbox fronts, the Switch front. Did you guys yourself look at this as alternatives? Um, I, I think the last time those consoles made a splash with any development was the originator, mm. which is Xbox game. What, what was it called? Xbox, um, Xbox live arcade. I don't know. Yeah. Arcade <laughs> live arcade. Yeah. yeah Something right. like that. Mm. They started yeah. it and they just let it die. <laughs> and yeah. I, I haven't heard too much of a splash from those guys. I mean, switch was the closest where I feel like there was a resurgence right. of indie uh, games going over there, but mm. Uh, what's your general feeling about that space? Uh, is that viable? Is that um, it's, uh, I mean, it's a, like the short answer is it's not really viable for us. Um, simply because like they refuse to like, they, they refuse to sell us dev kits. Um, mm. Like I've actually asked um, uh like like reps from from microsoft um and you know their their answer is like yeah we don't we don't sell dev kits there but you know if you if you know a guy or like you know there's there's like gray areas where you can figure out a dev kit uh yeah so it's like really um you know it's a little like disheartening like you know like if if you're not then i don't know like why why would we bother and um and you know, you know, console is a little bit more. I, I don't actually have enough um, knowledge of the console space, but like, what I understand is like, you know, like there's there's a lot more um, 
like certification processes like before yeah. they even let you um put the game on like on the store whereas like you know like on bc it's 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 more like kind of wild west like we you know we're in early access so like we're putting out stuff and like within within minutes we get like bug reports or like ah the game not loading so you know we we have to scramble to pull up um put up a, a hot fix and that's kind of that, that's the kind of stuff that doesn't really happen um in terms of console um yeah so like the short answer is it's not really uh viable for us at least as a gateway to uh, game development but we are um like so for academia right now we're actually looking for um like for console publishers that would be interested in taking uh academia and then like you know like figuring out the porting process like how do you you know how do you map the controls to a controller versus um you know mouse and keyboard and then um yeah like release it worldwide on all, all three of the consoles so we, i had i don't have um i don't have any direct uh experience with it yet so i can't really do any comparisons but um yeah like i'm i'm, I'm definitely interested to see uh how it goes all right um last question i promise so uh <laughs> the the publishing side of things right so indie developers yeah. have are, are are faced with choices uh, where they 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 gun ho it by themselves the whole way, or they mm-hmm. tag team a friend uh, or a partner that has done this have done this many times and just take that off your plate so you can focus on the game. Yeah. Did you guys uh, try all routes before going with the publisher, or you just looked out and you found a great publisher, obviously, uh, and, and decided mm-hmm. to do it that way? Um. Well, for for me, like. Uh, like I said earlier, like the, the, the biggest problem was really funding. All right. Um, so for our first game, um, I definitely didn't want to like mortgage, uh, like, like our apartment. Um, I didn't want to like put my savings, uh, on my, like my meager savings uh, on the line at that time. Um, so like basically my, I, um, yeah, for, for our first game for political animals, we, there's just no way I was going to do it. Like, um, with my own money, I'm not, uh, I mean, like you, you'd think I'd be more of a risk taker because like I'm a quote unquote entrepreneur, but like, I'm very, uh, I'm actually very risk averse. Like it, it's, you kind of tweak it as you go. Obviously you can't like be in any kind of business if you're not willing to take any risks, but like on the scale of, uh, of entrepreneurs, I'm very, uh, I'm, I'm pretty risk averse. And, uh, so for our first game, we definitely, um, it was like publisher or nothing at all. Uh, and luckily we found a publisher, um, and really lucky for us because like, uh, yeah, again, it didn't do well, so we didn't lose any money and I feel bad for our publisher, but you know, like they, they knew that risk, um, going in and they did their due diligence and, uh, it just doesn't pan out, um, sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so for our second game, we, um, you know, we had, we had a better idea, I think, of what we wanted to do. Um, and we wanted to just kind of, you know, do it on our own. Um, but also like, you know, like it was just like, things were just moving too fast for us to like really stop and, uh, and, uh, and, and pitch it to a publisher. Um, and also like we, you know, by, by releasing early, like by releasing our progress early and, and seeing that there was interest, you know, we had some inkling that, um, the game might do well. Um, but I think honestly, like we, we were sort of at the point where it's like, ah, you know what, if this does as well, then, then great. We, we keep going. Um, if it doesn't, uh, you know, maybe it's time to, uh, pack it up and uh start looking for for jobs again um just turned out that we you know we got lucky the second time around and uh yeah so it's um we've uh we've done pretty well um we did we did take a little bit of investment money um just for the game and so like kind of just to help us get get to the finish line in terms of um when we release for early access um but otherwise uh yeah we we're, we're self published and um i i i feel like Again, like this is another thing with Steam. Like we have to be thankful. Like they've just made it really easy for uh, for for almost anyone to self-publish their their own game and like um, kind of make a living off of it. And 
Yeah, and, and now, um, so we we did well enough actually that um, we had a little bit of money like put aside, um, and uh, I found another local studio that was working on a really cool game. And, uh, like I, I started chatting with them it's like, Hey, like, you know, um, I think your game's really cool. And, um, like at the start I was more like, if you guys want a publisher, like, um, I'll hook you up with like some people I know, because like, I, I really, really just want, like, I was just very excited to see another studio locally working on a game that I thought was cool. And so like, I was just like, yeah, yeah, I want to, I want to help you guys, uh, succeed like regardless um but uh yeah like we we kind of got to talking and i said like you know we could help you out with the funding um if you if you're interested and we we just you know we kept up that communication and so now we're both a developer and sort of like quasi publisher where we yeah like i mentioned earlier we're we're publishing a game right now um that's called ruinark um it's like an evil overlord simulator you're um you're uh, basically a demon and you're, you're, you're wreaking havoc on a village of people like throwing down meteors and, and poison and all sorts of stuff. Uh, I don't, I don't know if the steam festival is still ongoing right now, but um, like there's a demo out on steam. If, uh, if anyone wants to go and uh, and try it out. Sweet. I will definitely link that for sure. Um, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and I thank you, man, for paying it forward. I think that's one of the biggest coolest things about game developers we're always very wanting to help uh and and pass on the knowledge Mm -hmm. and i always feel like the people who give more actually receive more uh in the end it's just you know you build a community and trust and you actually build this huge network and uh and i always say to indie developers it's always like if you make it to the third game, that's when it really goes crazy. Uh, it seems like the average <laughs> is like you get to the third game, you go through all those trials and errors and you hit your rhythm. Yeah. You finally know what you're doing and you're, you're like understanding this landscape. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm very uh, thankful and looking forward to the game that you guys are publishing and the games that you guys are working on because that, that's a huge deal. That's a huge accomplishment uh you're you're in the one percentile <laughs> for most indie developers <laughs> yeah uh, I, I wonder actually if uh we should have we should have just kept the money but uh eh. <laughs> we've already <laughs> uh we already struck the deal so anyway yeah, man if you, i, I hope, I hope it does enough. well i hope i made the right decision <laughs> <laughs> well, well we'll definitely link it if it's in the steam festival that's a huge one they only selected the, a few good ones uh to showcase yeah. there so that's it's already on the right track uh, so I we're at the hour and and again thank you for for sticking with us uh, for the hour I know we were trying to cut it short but you know it was just so interesting so <laughs> I lost track yeah yeah that's cool uh, and that's cool. Uh, this is my time to actually throw the mic over to you to give a shout out attention to or talk about any issues that you want to talk about to our listeners and uh, viewers out there yeah um so like definitely please do uh, check out Ruin Arc on uh on on steam um we have a demo out right now and like the developers would really like to know um what what you think and um yeah and like uh please do check out like try to check out games from like the southeast asian region and like the philippines um oof, i uh I'm not very good at this. I'm not good at like like marketing like uh, other stuff. But um, <laughs> check out like on Google like on Rising Rising C. I, f- I forget. Uh, I'm super not prepared. But like so, there was like a game jam recently where it was like a bunch of uh, Southeast Asian game developers got together and they uh, they just released their games recently and uh, a bunch of them were pretty cool. Um, so if you check out Rising C, if you like search for Rising C games a game rising sea game jam on google pretty sure you'll um you'll be able to find that um and uh, yeah check out academia school simulator if you're into like chill um builder like tycoon games um we uh, we just released an update uh recently and uh yeah we're um we're, we're we're just turning out those updates uh like every uh like month and a half um yeah i I mean that's uh that's just uh top of mind right now um and uh yeah 
I'm sorry. I'm, I'm kind of like uh, I'm kind of fading. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you, hey, it came off right, so I understood what you're saying. So, uh, all right. One last thing before we go, though. Can you spell okay. the name of that game, Ruben? Ruben Arc? How, how do you say? Uh, Ru- ruin Arc. Um, so it's like ruin, like you're ruining something, uh, and monarch. So like ruin Arc. I yeah. see. I see. All right. Well, we'll definitely link in in this video. I'll, I'll spice all the video footage so that people out there don't have to click around. Uh, but I, I want to thank right. you, Ryan, for coming on. And man, uh, let's stay in touch, dude. I definitely want to make sure that you know you represent over there in the Philippines. Uh, I, I think it's Southeast thank you, thank you, man. <laughs> Asia. We need yeah, more yeah. development studios for sure. Yeah. 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 For sure. Sure. All right, man. Thank you, man. Have a good one. Thank you very much for having me. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you are liking the podcast, go to the Apple iTunes store and give Game Dev Unchained a five-star rating. This will help spread the joy and love and exposure for the podcast, and we thank you very much. If you want to continue the conversation, go to our Discord, which can be found on our website, www.gamedevunchained.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at BlueChamps, B-L-U-C-H-A-M-P-S. You want to catch these episodes live every Tuesdays and Thursdays, go to twitch.tv forward slash blue underscore champs. Email me any of your concerns or questions that you want me to read aloud at the beginning of each episode at info at gamedevunchained.com. And if you want to further support us and help unlock the next feature, which is the voicemail feature, go to patreon.com forward slash blue champs this gives listeners a chance to kind of call in leave a message for both me and the guests to answer your deepest darkest questions and comment on your deepest darkest secrets thank you everybody